everybody. Welcome to a new episode of Journey of the Roadrunner. This is Paul here. And, and Adriana. Yep. And once again, as promised, we have a Boston Marathon finisher, Chris Marino. <laughs> Welcome back, Chris. Hey, guys. Thank you again. And congratulations, Chris. Yes. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks very much. Yep. I was uh, following you. I had the link in the show notes before how you can follow people in the marathon so I always follow along with you it was like a little gps thing it was pretty cool <laughs> and i was following you with like towards the beginning then i had to go run errands and then i came back and then you were like maybe like less than a mile from the finish so i'm so over here sitting cheering you on <laughs> like i could see <laughs> what was your time so i ended up finishing in uh, four hours and 23 minutes oh that's awesome mm-hmm. yeah yeah uh, I fell a little bit short, but I'm sure we'll, we, we could talk about that. But Paul, t- to your to your point around tracking, uh, that's really cool. Thank you for doing that. I heard from uh, a bunch of people actually that that were able to do the same. And I, in fact, my mother-in-law, um, she's out in um, Washington State, and she was following along, and she was absolutely like thrilled that she was able to do that. She, you know, so that that's that's kind of cool to think that someone was across the country and doing it. So yeah, yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, and it looks like you had like less than a ten minute pace per mile for a marathon. That's freaking awesome. Yeah, that is. <laughs> I can't even do that on a five k. Never mind. <laughs> and then and then it got to like point one, and then it like froze. I'm, I'm like waiting for it to finish. I'm like, somebody muckle them at the end or something. Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Um, the the time was interesting. I um, being truthfully, I I I didn't really have a a goal sort of set in stone when I started. Mm -hmm. Uh, But when I got to the finish line, excuse me, when I got to the starting line, I sort of got into my head. Okay, well, I think I can do you know four hours or something, and. Mm -hmm. Um, that really, that equates to nine minute, nine second miles. Um, and I was eight and I was, I did that pretty easily at the beginning, the first half, um, you know, I was kind of just cruising. It's mostly downhill the first half of the marathon. It's really like one big sort of downhill. There's some rolling hills in there, but, and then towards the middle part, once you start climbing like around 15 or so. I, I sort of hit a wall and things uh, things sort of slowed down a bit there for me. Um, but yeah, so yeah. I'm happy with the result. Um, yeah. But I think right. everyone, you know, sort of armchair quarterbacks after the fact, what I could have done differently and, you know, what went wrong. And, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. But yeah, I'm pleased with the effort. I'm just really glad. I, I mean, thrilled that I was able to do it to begin with. You know? So what do you feel? What do you, what's your fuel of choice? So, so that's interesting. I am. Um, I've sort of gone back and forth. I used to do goos. So the first few marathons I did, um, I would, I would utilize goos and I found that those really upset my stomach. Yeah. Um, I wasn't able to tolerate those very well. I found that something that's a little more solid, um, more like a real food than, than a goo type product, um, settled in my stomach a little bit better. So I actually utilize, um, there are these honey, honey stinger waffles. So they actually are like, disc flat yeah yeah yeah. so they taste good it's almost like a treat they taste like a cookie cookie yeah 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 um so i started using those a couple years ago when i do like longer runs and marathons and i find that i I, i'm able just to to stomach those better than than the gooey the gooey things can be a little bit sweet and just they just don't they don't sit well in my stomach i always end up feeling a little sloshy and you know really yeah, kind of bogged down i obstacle race and we use uh, i don't like the goo myself for the same reason my stomach it's just it doesn't sit well it's almost too sweet and you know it definitely have you ever tried like they have the ones it's like almost like baby food like they'll do like sweet potato with strawberries so it's similar and it's not as sweet yeah i've never i've never tried those before I, i'm aware of them i've never tried those before i know yeah, I, I like those. If you're ever uh, just like in a practice run, if you're going for a long run, give them a whirl. Let's see, I'd like to see what you think. Yeah, for sure. I will. 
maybe you could send me uh, send me a link for. Oh, I um, definitely will. Yeah, yeah. For sure. And I tried yeah. melted butter too, but that's it, that's a little more fat for fuel. They they use dates for the sugar. It's a little lower in sugar, but it's it's cashew butter, and that's yeah. it's literally like it's like a squeezy of but, nut butter, which that yeah. can be a little funky because you're kind of. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it sounded like a good idea until it was in my mouth, and I'm like, I don't know if I like this part. And you know, how, like dogs get peanut butter in your mouth. That's kind of like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it didn't go as well as planned. So yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, let's uh, yeah, let's talk about your experience. Like, I guess we could start from the beginning. I hear that they you know did it differently this year obviously because of the COVID it's something about rolling starts or something. So did you like take a bus to the starting line and then you go like right away? How did that work? Yeah. So <clears throat> I ended up, uh, it's interesting cause I only live about 20 minutes from Hopkinton. Oh. So I'm in Grafton mm-hmm. and, uh, for me to, to what they ideally would like people to do is, you know, go into Boston, meet at Boston common and take a bus to Hopkinton. So it's like a 45 minute bus ride from, you know, Boston Common to Hopkinton and, and then do the run from there. But what I ended up doing, um, I did a little bit of research um, offline and found that <clears throat> a couple of people recommended you could get a ride, you know, if you're out this way where we are. Um, and so I ended up getting a ride from a neighbor of mine, which is interesting. Um, he was able to drive me right into Hopkinton. I got like maybe nine tenths of a mile from the starting line. Uh, and I walked, um, yeah, it was, it was perfect. Um, originally my wife was going to drive with the kids, but I just, I thought that that might be a little bit too, you know, too much corralling of, of kids and people to get out the door at once. And when I kind of wanted to be in my own headspace, so my neighbor was kind enough to, to give me that ride and it was great. I, I, like I said, walked the nine tenths of a mile. I could hear everything in the distance. Like you could hear the announcer and everything going on. Um, yeah. And then you get, you get to the, the starting line area, I guess what they call the athletes village. And they had slapped wristbands on all of us when you picked up your bib um, at the expo that just showed that you were either vaccinated or tested negative. Okay. And then you had to show that, in order to enter the village and obviously your number and they wand you for weapons, you know, like you're going through a security at the airport. And then they basically said, you could go right to the start line whenever you're ready. Um, There were no corrals. Uh, So I, you know, I used the restroom and then made my way up. It's a little bit of a climb to the start line, a couple hundred yards. And uh, I had to wait a couple minutes because my bib, I was a little bit early for my they had sort of designated times for each range of bid numbers so i was i was a little bit early so they just made me wait with a small group of other people who were also early we had to wait like five minutes uh but really from the time my neighbor dropped me to the time i started running was basically 45 minutes wow Um, no no real waiting at all i was basically moving the whole time Mm -hmm. that's fantastic it was great. It was really great because I've heard horror stories from people and you guys probably have too. I wouldn't say horror stories. I shouldn't say that. But stories of people that have taken buses to the village, you know, in a typical like non-COVID year and then end up waiting three or four hours in the village to start running. They're yeah. basically sitting around, you know, just waiting. And there is virtually no waiting. It definitely brought, I've been to a couple races, an obstacle race. I did a, the Providence, um, I did a fight the 5k during the Providence marathon on the half of the client. And, um, the pandemic definitely brought some like organization to races. I personally, from what I've seen it, like you said, I mean, it really like everything was like, go 15 seconds, 15 seconds. So everyone kind of went off and it really seemed a lot more organized because of it. You know, I, we talk about this a lot. I don't know if you've heard some of our other podcasts, but like uh, there's a lot of positive things that came out of the pandemic and the organization of races is really, you know, and obviously from what you said of the marathon, it really kind of made a big difference to, to get people's like structured and moving and no, no hanging around. I mean, and it, you know, you get those butterflies in the beginning and if you're standing around, I mean, I'm in the porter potty every five minutes, I peak, I'm nervous. It's like, you don't even have that. You're just like, go, you know? So true. And I mean, I've seen, and you guys may have as well, the start of the marathon, these corrals, and it's just like jam packed with mm. people. Yeah. I can't even and I've actually read things. Yeah. The first mile, 
in previous years, you're basically shoulder to shoulder with people and trying not to trip. Mm-hmm. You know, this was entirely different. This was, I literally walked up to the start line and I could, you know, sp- spread my arm. There was just plenty of room. People were taking selfies of themselves with the start line. That's behind amazing. Them. And then once I started running, it was like wide open. There was nobody around me. I mean, there were runners, but it was in no way jam-packed with people. It was plenty spread out. um, So you could start whatever pace you wanted and not have to worry about tripping over people or bumping into people. Um, So to your point, I mean, it was like, it was great for that. That's awesome. It was really a simple process, which is kind of amazing. I think also there was a lot, I mean, it was basically half the runners than there normally is, which I think, you know, contributes to that less density, but um yeah it was really seamless i mean i was even the porta party porta potty line was virtually non-existent it was just it was great i can't say enough great, great things about it um and that's you just know, the start. Is, is you uh, do you listen to music or are you like one of those like get in my head people music yeah what kind what's your playlist like for the marathon um well i should take a step back when i when i do runs on my own you know, training runs or just going out for a run. I do a lot of podcasts too. Okay. Um, uh, so I go back and forth between music and podcasts, but for this one, I made a place. I mean, there's a lot of like, I'm a big rock guy. So a lot of sort of rock based, you know, nineties kind of stuff that I love. Um, so it was really, that really. How old do you, you don't mind me asking? How old am I? 51. Okay. I'll be 52 in November. So what's what's the rock that you like? Oh well, I mean, if you ask anyone who knows me well, Pearl Jam is. Like my <laughs> I'm just gonna say that. <laughs> I'll know that. That goes yeah. back years. That, that that is good. I I'm a big fan of Pearl Jam. <laughs> Pearl Jam. Is so my... you were you were in the the Pearl Jam uh, Smashing Pumpkins era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not a well. It's funny you say smashing or smashing pumpkins because the neighbor that drove me is actually a big smashing pumpkins. But it's a little depressing pumpkin, but... for the race. <laughs> Anyone listening to this that knows me at all knows that Pearl Jam is my answer. That's awesome. But I also like um, like you know my my oldest son Ryan is 15 and he's now discovering even my first love, which was the original Van Halen. So I have a lot of that going as well. Okay. Um, so I kind of go back, you know, I've got a whole, got a whole mix of stuff. I also love like eighties, you know, hair oh, you Paul's heartstrings now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, we're the same age. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'm more into like, you know, again, people that know me well know I love like my Motley Cruz and my rat, you know, I like the hair metal eighties kind of stuff more so than yeah. the pop. Yep. That's me. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm sort of an open book. People that know, I'm a little bit of music obsessive. So people that know me know how, you know, music is a huge part of my life. And I, I'm always sharing with people things I'm listening to. I'm always texting songs to people. Hey, check this out. Or, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's a big thing for me. So yeah, so it's pretty 90s heavy. Um, you know, I like I like all kinds of, you know, that, that sort of music. So. Okay. That's good. Yeah. So any any like uh let me ask you this cuz just by being an athlete any like issues when you were running that you started feeling any like cramping like shins hips anything funky going on? Yeah, so <clears throat> that's the one thing for me in marathon running I find is um and this is going this leads into another discussion I think but um yeah, so on that day I definitely um right around 15 or 16, I got some, some weird pinching in my sort of, I, I don't want to be explicit, but sort of in my groin area. I was Have getting some to podcast, <laughs> Not enough, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So I've got this thought that I just, it started like around 15. I think that's, you know, like I said earlier, Boston, the first 13, 14 miles is basically downhill. And then you start climbing. And so right around the halfway point, a little bit beyond that. So right around 15, I started to get this pinching. And that for me is a red flag that something is just not right. There's something going on. Um, And so that was a concern and also a little bit debilitating mentally um, because up to that point, um, like I said, the first, you know, if you look at my run on Strava, if you look at the 
break down the mileage. The first 14 miles are very consistent, like just over nines, like 905s. I was averaging for each of those miles and it was like a flat line, just very consistent. And then I got to mile 15, got the pinching, walked for a little bit to try to sort of stretch it out or calm it down a little bit. And then it just sort of kept going. And I think there are a couple of different factors. A, the, the, the hill, the downhill into the climb. And then yeah. at that point, it was about noon. And I'm a morning runner. Um, I do most, 99% of my runs are done early in the morning. Um, and so noon, I'm usually eating and I'm not running. And so, you know, at that point, I was only pretty much at the halfway point of the marathon. It started to get real humid at that point. So I think there's a number of factors that contributed. So it's a long way to say that I was experiencing cramping. Then it started in, the, in my quads. Because again, the whole downhill, you're hammering your quads. Yeah. And you start going uphill and you sort of feel the burn of that. Um, and so again, like, you know, you know, running from like noon to by the time I finished, it was after two o'clock. That's later for me. It's hotter. Um, it was a tough run, the downhill and the uphill. So, yeah, so I definitely was struggling at the end. Um, the last 10 miles, I mean, I did a lot more walking and running than I, than I wanted to do. Um, but I had to, to get through it. I mean, yeah. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't run the whole time as much as I wanted to. Um, and so naturally my pace slowed a bit. Um, but, you know, I finished and I was absolutely thrilled to finish. And, yeah. Um, but I think that I've never worked with a coach before and I'm really, really, um, that's something I really am interested in engaging in now is, is working with a coach. Cause I think there's a lot of different factors that contribute to that diet. Oh yeah. Um, I'm a big, um, um, intermittent fast guy. So five days a week, you know, I don't eat, um, until noon, um, Monday through Friday. I'm very regimented about that. So I think, you know, that's what I was sort of alluding to when on marathon, when noon hit, I think my body is so used to getting fed at that yep. time that um, it was probably wondering what was going on. Yeah. Um, so I think with a coach, I can probably address some of that, you know, figure out, okay, I need to dial in. Maybe it's a couple of weeks leading up to it. I've got to dial in the food a little bit differently, the nutrition, even though I ate breakfast that morning and was taking in you know, food, to eating the waffles that we talked about, you know, taking drinks along the way to Gatorade and right. water. Still, I was, I was having, I was experiencing things in my body that I don't experience when I do training runs, you know? Yeah. Cause I mean, and that's the thing too, like even like carb loading the night before, like there's a lot of different, uh, a lot of different methods for marathon runners. And I think you're right. Your body was, I mean, like clockwork, your body gets used to the times you eat. And if your if your body's like, where's the food? You're like, I'm running for it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm going for it. You know, it's definitely, it's it's a huge thing. Now, do you do a lot of mobility stuff? So, I you know, it's funny. I I don't actually. This training cycle, I really just did runs, and I think that's the thing. I need to do. My buddy, my running buddy, Augie and I were out this morning and uh, we were talking because he did a marathon the day before. So we were kind of talking a bit about the training and what we might do differently. Um, I think for me, not only nutrition, but I think strength, strength training, yeah, particularly my lower body. Definitely. Yeah. You'd I used to do a lot. You'd be surprised because yeah. the, the, the arm, like there's a, the core, like that stuff is such a factor in running. You know, we don't, I don't think a lot of us realize it, but like your upper body plays a huge part in it. Totally. I told, I completely agree. And I do do more upper body type weight stuff. And I do, you know, I do do that, that activity. I don't do it as much as I used to. I think I just got into a routine, this training cycle where I was focused primarily on the running. Okay. And I think that that was a mistake. I think okay. that. In hindsight, um, if I had it to do to do over again, um, I would definitely do more um, different workout, you know, different type workouts and more um, like we talk about strength training. Yeah. Um, speed work. I backed off. I, I used to do a lot of speed work uh, and I really backed off of that. 
mostly out of fear of injury, overuse, or, or any type of injury. Like really for this one, because doing Boston for me was so important, my primary goal is to get to the start line healthy. Um, and that was physically healthy. Yeah. And so, you know, and it's funny, I mentioned to my running buddy even this morning, I was like the first half marathon, first half of the marathon, I did not have a twinge in my body, like nothing. Huh. Every, I said to people, it was like smooth like butter. I felt great physically, mentally. I felt great. No, nothing in my knees, nothing at all. Um, not until I got to, like I said, the 15 mile mark is when I started to, to feel it. But prior to that, I felt great. Um, so I got to the start line healthy. I just think there are things I could have done differently during the training cycle to make myself stronger for that, for the, for the later stages of, of the run. So I think that's, uh, a coach I think is something I I real, I've been, it's for two years, I've been thinking about, I just have been putting it off and I really think I just need to engage in that, um, just to educate my, yeah, educate myself. Um, I mean, for me, and I talked about it a bit in the podcast, the first podcast that Paul and I did, um, you know, I'm, I consider myself late to the running game. You know, I started when I was like 30. Okay. Like I said, I'm 51. I've only ever done it on my own. I've never, you know, had anybody evaluate my technique, um, my stride, nothing. Right. So everything I've been doing, I've just been sort of doing on my own. I mean, obviously I read things and I see things. Right. I, you know, I did have a knee injury that I did some some PT for and some rehab for, and I did learn some strength training there. Uh, one side of my body is a lot weaker than the other that I think contributed to the knee injury. So I did, from that, did do quite a bit of rehab on that and learn some different strength training exercises. But, you know, time goes on and you kind of, if you don't use it, you lose it. And oh, absolutely. You know, yeah, so this is going back a couple of years. So I guess well, the point being, it, you, know. you gravitate, we all gravitate towards the things we like when like, if you're a motivated person, I mean, the three of us are motivated people, you know, and it, I gravitate towards the things I like. And I, I'm a trainer who will use trainers because I know there's stuff I don't prefer to do. And I'll make, I, I was talking about this with a couple of clients. Well, I think I talked to you about this. I'll give myself a program, you know, six weeks, four weeks, whatever. And halfway in, I'm like, I've been doing this long enough. I'm going to do something different. And, and I know how, but it's like, I know I need to do this program and finish it, but I'm my own worst client. But if I hire someone and pay them to make me a program that I could, probably could make a lot of it myself, but I don't want to, and I won't do it. And if I pay and make someone give me it and they're like, Hey, how's everything going? I'm like, well, they gave me this. I better do it. You know? And one day I was, I was laughing at myself. I'm like, I literally like, I, I, I can't, I can do this program myself and I, I can get almost to the end. And I'm like, I'm almost done. I'm done. Cause I want to do this instead. And I veer off track and it's, it's how I've gotten a lot of, I wouldn't even say like necessarily all injuries, but like tweaks, like things that didn't go right. And like some of the programming is to get certain areas stronger. So I don't have that problem. And it's like, you know, there's a saying these shoemakers kids go barefoot. Cause we, we constantly go to the, the thing we like to do and skip over kind of, you know, like you love to run. So you're like, I know I'll get up and run. I'm just going to go out and run. And it is, it's those little things you need the accountability for, for someone to be like, did you do this stuff today? And if, if you don't want to, you know, I, I tend to be, uh, I don't want to let down someone who I'm working with either. So I'm going to do what they're telling me. And, you know, at the end of the day, I'm like, if I was my client, I'd fire me. Like, but I, that's, again, I'm not like that's with another trainer or another coach, because I know, I don't want to be my, that client, <laughs> but when it's my own person to answer to, it's like, I don't feel like this. I'll just, I'll do that tomorrow, you know? And it's, it's a lesson I, you know, I'm 43 and I continue, I just did this recently. I continuously do something dumb in my own training because I didn't finish my own program or I veered off something that was keeping everything stable. You know, it's like yeah. the Jenga block. I'm just going to pull one more out and see what happens. And I know the end result of the Jenga game, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. going down. So it is, it's a good, like you said, during your race, once you figured it out, it's, it's, it, it's almost like one of those trial and error things. You need to see like, all right, this is the stuff I really want to make sure I, I deal with. So I don't have these incidences again. And, you know, so you can get better and feel better at your races. Like, do you have right. a goal, another goal marathon? Or are you going right back to Boston? So, <laughs> Yeah. 
uh, I would love to do Boston again. I think the trick is going to be to get a bib again. Um, okay. My fingers are crossed. I don't have a I don't have a commitment to that as of today. Um, so, yeah, hopefully, hopefully it comes through again. If it does, I would definitely do it again. Yeah, um, no question. But yeah, I think you're you're right. I think uh, you know being held to account to somebody is really a, a big motivator. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Plus, I think like a good advantage of having a coach is like you know what you don't know, so like you might get advice that you wouldn't even thought of before, and like everybody's different. So if you're like reading articles or listening to podcasts telling you you should do this and do this, everybody's different. So what they're saying might not necessarily work for you, but if you have like a coach or a trainer, you know they they might know more specifically about you. Yeah. 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 It does help a lot. And then, you know, and there's a psychology behind it all too. So when someone gets to know you, like, you know what to say or do to make them tick or if they have, I've been working with Paul for a long time. And like when something's going on with him, like, I'm like, all right, this is what I have to do. Like the first and foremost is like get cheering someone up if they are injured and working around the injury. So nothing can stop you from working out if you just work around it, you know, and it's endorphins that you need to like keep moving and heal faster and everything else. And, you know, there, there's a huge psychology behind people. People get really like discouraged or upset when something goes wrong in their body. And it's like, there is a, a psychology portion of it where it's like, all right, we got to work around this, get this person moving and, you know, let them know it's going to be all right. Cause I mean, myself included, when something's wrong, it's like, this is going to last forever. I don't know when I'm going to be able to do this again, you know? And it's like the, like the simplest thing it's, it's devastating. You know, I couldn't run for a week. What am I going to do? You know? And it's, it's that whole, like, the coach can get you out of your head when you're, you know, when I'm in a funk about some, like, a tweak or something in my body, like, I really, it's hard to, like, talk myself off the ledge. And then I'm on cloud nine a week later when everything's feeling good. And, you know, I, I have to giggle about it because I, I see when it happens with my clients, I'm like, what am I going to do to get them in here to feel good, keep them moving and work around the injury so it's not so devastating? Because as an athlete, you know, when you, if there's something happening and you can't run, we, I don't know if you listen to our runner's threat. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> runner's Tourette's, yeah. <laughs> we, our runner's Tourette's we, podcast. Yeah, like, like when you can't yeah. run and you see other people running, you, you swear your ass off at them. Yeah, it's like if I see someone running and I'm fine, I'm like, good for you, go get it. And then when you, if there's a point you can't run or something's wrong, you're like, fuck you, asshole. It's like <laughs> literally like you are like the most angry person when someone else is running. And then two minutes later when you're able to run again, you're like cheering them on like they're your teammate, you know? And it's, it's true of any sport, whatever you do, you know, even lifting. I mean, if someone's used to something and it's it, what's emotionally also keeps, helps keep you stable, when that's taken away from you, it's it's a whole, you know, I have people come in anywhere from just people trying to lose weight to athletes, like something small happens or something large and they're like, I don't know how I'm going to handle this. I'm like, it's all right, we're going to do this, you know, and there's a, there's a big I, I love having someone myself who I can kind of just be like, I'm, I messed something up, man. Like, what are we going to do? Even though I know, because at the end of the day, even if you, like you said, you read articles or anything else, you go to do something sometimes for yourself and it's just not the same. You can't get out of your own headspace. So it is really a, a, like you can train around it, work around it. It's great to have that person to fall back on too in those times because it really, it makes a huge difference. I mean, yeah. and it keeps you going. Yeah. Well, I can relate to the uh, not being able to run. I, I think I shared a bit in the last talk that Paul and I had. And uh, so back in November of 2018, so we're creeping up on three years here. Um, I was injured. I was injured to the point where I couldn't run um, the fall of 2018. And I actually had um, arthroscopic knee surgery that November. And uh, at the time, you know, the surgeon... Um, I had what's called um, potholes in the cartilage of my of my left knee, Ooh. and so basically what that means is there's there's literally holes in the cartilage. So where the the bones in your knee when they you know when they flex, as you're walking or running or doing any sort of movement, the bone was making contact. The bones were making contact with each other where there normally should be cartilage. So yeah. every time it happens, I would get this sharp wincing pain, and. Um, I also had, they call it dangling uh, cartilage, where there were pieces of it that was sort of hanging in the pothole and catching. Oh, So that would add to the pain. So anyway, so in November 2018, I had arthroscopic knee surgery to kind of clean that up. They can't do anything about the potholes, but they could clean up the the dangling uh, bits. 
But at the time, the surgeon was like, you probably won't be able to run again. He's like, you might be able to do one or two miles um, here or there, but you're likely not going to be able to run beyond that without pain. And so that was November of 2018. And obviously at that point, you know, I was, I mean, I was devastated to your point. I mean, I was, I didn't know what I was going to do. I mean, for me, running was such a, it was such my identity. It was so much part of my lifestyle. Um, and it was real debilitating and scary. And, you know, I didn't know, I just didn't know what it was going to be like not being able to run again. At that point I was, you know, I was late forties, but you know, I wasn't a old man. Right. Um, and you're still not. <laughs> no, but you know, I thought if I lose this, what's, what's it going to be? So anyway, so, um, that so early 2019 we ended up getting a peloton my wife and i because she's like well maybe we'll get this because i didn't want to go to a gym i didn't want to join the gym and um because i hadn't been to a gym in years so anyway so we got a peloton i did that and like six months after my surgery we were visiting my wife's mother out in washington state and i went down to the hotel gym and i ran a mile on the treadmill and felt fine and i started running again after that and i kept doing it and i was thinking to myself okay well i can i can focus on what the surgeon said and I can either sit back and wait, you know, for the pain to happen, you know, by not running or I can just give it a shot. And I gave it a shot and I just kind of stuck with it and knock on wood. I've been relatively, I mean, I get a little bit of pain here and there, but it's not nothing like it was before. That's great. So whatever he did during that surgery definitely fixed the issue and um, it hasn't crept back, which is a, a blessing. Um, yeah, so I've run like three marathons since then, and you know, <laughs> that's been, awesome. It's been good. Um, I mean, well, have you it, ever heard you've heard of stem cell therapy? I'm sure, and that that's something that just I don't know much about the pothole. I've the potholes in the cartilage, but I mean, that's something I I do know a couple people who've had stem cells in the knees, and um, both of the people who I know are not they weren't like healthy, athletic, or anything. One guy, he was older, is um my wife's family friend, he doesn't, he wasn't, he's not a healthy guy. They told him he needed a double knee replacement and he refused. He went to um, a place in Connecticut and got stem cells in both knees. He's like, I haven't had pain since. So anytime I hear like, especially like you're a fellow athlete, like there I'm, you know, it's expensive, but I'm like, that's my ex. Like when someone tells me you're going to need this and you can't do this, I'm like, I'm going to get stem cells, you know, because it, they're pretty fascinating. And some of the people I've heard, I've done PRP a lot and it's, it's amazing. And um, the stem cells are kind of the next generation for me personally, when something, you know, is going to take me out of what I love doing. I'm like, I'm going to, it's my body and I only get one and I want to enjoy my life as much as possible. So if I'm told at some point you can't do something you love, I'm like, okay, then I'm just going to bite the bullet and go for the stem cells. On the so yeah, it's my, um, I have a little bit of experience or knowledge with that. My best friend from high school has actually had knee problems. He was a football player um, and has had some, has bad knees and uh, he's had success with, with the stem cell. Yeah. Um, we haven't spoken about it in a while, so I'm not exactly sure the current status, but I know that he had a lot of success with it. And he was, he was talking to me about it when I was complaining about my knee issue before yeah. I had the surgery. Um, yeah, I explored that a bit. Um, they talked about a couple different things they could do to, quote, fill the potholes. But that's, you can't run on that because that would just yeah. do more. It would break it up or damage right. it to the point where it would reverse whatever was fixed. Right. Um, so that's why he said, let's start like this. What what they did was essentially minimalist for, you know, because there's all kinds of different things they could have tried. But he's like, let's just start with this and see how it goes. You might be back. You might not. Um, fortunately, like I said, I haven't been back and things have been going well. Um, hopefully it'll continue to go well. Um, yeah. Because like I said, running really is a big thing for me. It's, you know, um, so yeah. So that's great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, back to the marathon. Uh, how, yeah. how, how are the crowds there? Like, I know sometimes that can be motivating too, even when like, you're not like tired. That usually like, I know that gets me going sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> How about that? It was amazing. Amazing. And I've heard 
I, I heard from, like you said, you know, you've heard from people, I've heard from people, but really hearing about it and experiencing it are two like completely different things. The thing that's crazy is like, they don't know who you are or care who, like they don't know anything about you, but they treat every runner like, you know, they're going to win, you that's know? All. It's really, it was the most, incre- I, I can't even put it, I'm, I'm rarely at a loss for words, but I can hardly put it into words how incredible that experience of it was. And every town, like every town that you run through was like a little bit different. You know, it's, it's, oh, that's it cool. was just, it was really incredible. Like just, I don't know. I, again, I'm, I'm, I'm not really putting words, words together great here to, to describe <laughs> it, but it was incredible. I mean, I had, you know, they call, um, I've done the Falmouth road race, uh, a bunch of times, um, for my buddy, um, who has a son with a rare disease and they use the Falmouth road race to, to raise money. And the Falmouth road race, people call like the mini Boston marathon. And it's because it's, it's seven miles. It's pretty compressed race uh, in a small, small area. It's in the summer. So people are out partying and having a good time. And the crowds there are incredible. And Boston really is very much like that. It's just so many people, so much energy. Um, the times that I was walking, you know, during the race, that's when people really come to life. Like they're like, oh. keep, you know, like you can yeah. hear, keep going. Um, that's awesome. It makes me emotional talking about it. Yeah. It really was. <laughs> it really was um, an incredible experience. Like nothing I've ever experienced in, in a race or really in my life before. It was. How do you feel awesome. when you came across the finish line? Well, so that funny because, so it's actually, um, it's not even the finish line. It's like when you finally sort of get to Boston, A, you're down the hills. Like you get through Newton and you go through Boston College into Cleveland Circle, um, you know, and um, once you start sort of navigating like the T, the tracks, you got to sort of run through Cleveland Circle and navigate. Then you know you're like getting close to the city. You're not in the suburbs anymore. So that's a game changer um, because, you know, A, you're getting closer to the finish, but B, you're like in the getting into the city, yeah. which it's the Boston Marathon. That's the goal, right? Get into the city. And so getting getting there was amazing. And then you sort of, I forget the name of the bridge, but you sort of run up a bridge and um, you can see the Prudential, you can see Fenway, you can see the Sitco sign. At that point, I was like, I was thinking, I took my phone out. I'm like, I took a picture. I actually posted on Facebook because I was so emotional about it. I was like, yes. You're here. Made it here. And that's only the beginning because then you get to run through Kenmore Square. And uh, that, I don't know if you've ever been to Kenmore Square during yeah. a marathon. Not during a marathon, uh, but I've. On Marathon Monday before. Oh, that's awesome. Um, Jeez, I want to tell a story about it make me emotional, but um, we love okay. it. <laughs> You're gonna to have to do it again. Me and Paul will come and cheer you on. Yeah. So when I was uh, when I was seven, uh, when I was seven years old, my we I grew up in New Hampshire. My dad took me out of school because you know marathons on Patriots Day, which is a right. Massachusetts holiday. It's not a national holiday. So my dad took me out of school, took me to the Red Sox game, and after the you know it's the early Red Sox game on Patriots Day the game dumps out into Kenmore square and it's marathon Monday. I was seven years old. I had no idea. I was like, there's so many people there. And then you see the runners and you're like, what is going on here? My dad's like, Oh, it's a marathon. Okay. No idea. And so that is one of the things I was thinking when I was running to Kenmore square is like, when I was seven, I was like watching it. Now I'm doing it. (laughs) Yeah. So that was, that was incredible. I mean, just getting into Kenmore square and realizing, okay, we're getting real close now. Um, and then you, you end up going under Matt, uh, under Mass Ave, uh, you go under this little bridge and there's nobody there cause it's a bridge. And so there's people on top of the bridge cheering, but you get under the bridge and there's nobody there. It's just the runners. And this is right before you take the right onto Hereford street. So, you know, the real famous right onto Hereford left onto Boylston into the marathon. And that's, you know, maybe half a mile in total. So I knew that under that bridge was right before Her- the right onto Hereford Street. And I had a pretty good cry there because I knew I was like, 
I'm going to finish this thing. That's so I, I, I posted this the other day. I was like, I think that they, I think they do that for, I, I feel like that was done intentionally because there's so many people stopped under that bridge kind of getting their act together because it's like the last bit before you're back out in front of all the people. Like a cry out. <laughs> so people were really like getting their act together. I wasn't yeah. the only So that was really incredible. It was like a moment just for the runners almost. Um, people that have run Boston, I think, can re- can relate to that. Unless you're in it to like crush a time goal. Like if you're just a regular Joe like me who wants to finish it, you know, I think if you're in it to crush a time goal, you're not going to stop there and <laughs> fix your air. Um, but anyway, so yeah, so then you come out of there and you take, again, the famous right under Hereford, very, very short street, um, tons of people. And then you take the left under Boylston. At that point, you can see the finish line. It's less than a quarter mile. Um, and, uh, I mean, I was all smiles at that point because I knew like, okay, I'm going to finish this thing. Um, it was incredible. I mean, it really was an amazing experience. Um, you know, I knew that I could, I, I've done marathons. I know I can run marathons and I can finish, you know, but to finish Boston is just a whole other, Yeah. it's just a whole other level. Um, and also, you know, for me personally, just, you know, it's been such a goal and a dream for so long that to actually be able to do it. I mean, you said you were seven when you were there and like, I mean, that just to think about that, you know? Yeah. Well, I shared with Paul in the last podcast. So when I was in my late twenties, like I was 28 or 29, I was at the base of Heartbreak Hill with some friends and, uh, I was, I was incredibly inspired that day. Um, and I actually vowed to myself that day, I'm repeating myself in the last podcast, but I vowed to myself that day that I'm going to run Boston. And at that point I'd only been running a couple of miles here or there. I wasn't doing anything of any distance whatsoever. But I was so inspired that day. I'm like, I am going to do this. That's amazing. And 20 years later, almost 20 years, I mean, to the day I was doing it. And and not only that, but doing it for our cause, which is the other, you know, the other thing that makes it emotional for me, because it's not just about me running the Boston Marathon anymore. It's about, you know, raising awareness for, for our son and, um, you know, for the money we're trying to raise for genomic dystrophy. Um, so yeah, so it's, a, it, it, it's a lot and I'm emotional. I don't, I am an emotional person to begin with. So, um, you know, all of that sort of came together that day and, um, just made it really incredibly special for sure. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. And then the letdown though, the next day, <laughs> <laughs> you don't really talk about the next day so much. No, I, we, we definitely, I've, I've talked to, um, you know, obstacle racers that I've trained. I'm like, you're going to hit a little depression after because it's like this huge peak. And, you know, you really have to just look at something else as a goal. Like as soon as you kind of recover from everything, like you're, you're on your high, like you got to think about a new goal. Cause it, I, I definitely like post-race depression is a real thing. You it, know? It, it wailed me. I yeah. mean, I couldn't, I, I, I couldn't function for, a couple of days. You I just said you're an emotional guy. So, I mean, take that. The, the post-race depression is so real. You hit this high, like high of all highs. And then it's like, what's next? And to your point, I mean, I've experienced that with other marathons for sure. And, but I think this one was so much because Boston was so amplified. marathon. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like the marathon. Exactly. And it's right. so amplified. And I built, and personally, internally, I built it up so much that of course there's going to be a letdown. And I knew that it was going to happen because I've experienced it before, but this was like next level. This was yeah. like, I was debilitated. I got, actually, I got really sick that week um, oh. with a head cold. I thought I might've had COVID. I got tested and I was negative. Um, but I, I got sick, which I, I rarely get sick to begin with. And I got really sick like late that week. And I'm sure because I was just so depleted of everything. Yeah, emotionally and emotionally. Yeah. 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 So it definitely took, and I didn't want to talk to people. Um, I tried to stay busy at work. I mean, I was just really, it was hard to focus. Um, didn't want anything to do with social media. I mean, I put up a couple posts and stuff, but even engaging in like, and I love social media. I love the engagement of it. Um, but I just didn't even have really it in me. Yeah. I think I even said that it's probably gonna take me a couple of days, you know, and that was my way of saying I, 
I think I need a couple of days. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was really, it was rough. I mean, it took, it took a while. And like I said, being sick didn't help, but, um, I feel fine now. I feel great now. Yeah. Um, I, you know, that's a great time. I know you said like you didn't, that's a great time, man. That is a good time. Like that's a steady pace right there. It's gosh, it's, uh, it's, it's one of those things, right? It's like, I, I completely appreciate you saying that. And I'm really thankful for you saying that, but it is, it's one of those things where you, you know, you have your own expectation of what you can and can't do. And I have that for myself. Um, I think for me, one of the big struggles, and this is more big picture, not just specific to Boston is I've had a real hard time putting a good marathon together from start to finish. And this was another one of those experiences. I mean, I think it, and it, and it's, it's really about what we talked about earlier about needing a coach, needing some education, some help with that to be able to, you know, cause I can, I can put good training runs together. Um, but for whatever reason I get out there on race day and I'm just, that last bit is really a struggle for me. Um, and, uh, and I think, you know, even if I went slower at the beginning, I don't think it would have made even a difference that day. I just think for whatever reason, the marathon gods, like, just want me to struggle at the end. <laughs> and everyone struggles at the end. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I mean, everyone does. Um, if you don't, you're not doing it right. <clears throat> um, yeah. So I think, I, I, like I said, I really do appreciate you saying that. Um, I take the, the compliment to heart. I mean, I've heard that from a lot of people. But it's but tempered yeah. a bit in my own mind. Yeah. You, it's yeah, like you just want to always be a little bit better. Than, oh, yeah. I, yeah. I really, I think we all can relate yeah. to that. For sure. this, it's never good enough. Like, you know, yeah. even when it's going to be good enough, it's not going to be good enough. <laughs> right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's face it. You know, like there's definitely been some times I've done really well and I should feel like I did well. And I like, and I'm like, yeah, I could have done better. I feel like I didn't try hard enough. You know, like I've done some like 5k obstacle races and I've won. And I'm like, I should have gotten like at least another minute off or I messed up on that obstacle. I'm lucky I didn't even fall. You know, it's like you, you go through your own. Everyone's like, you did awesome. Like fags in your head. You're like, you done better. <laughs> yeah. And it feels a little like uh, selfish or self aggrandizing where it's like, people are like, Oh man, you know, it took you whatever to do that marathon. It would have taken me, you know, two weeks to do it or, you yeah. know, on the one hand, it's like, okay, yeah, that makes me feel good. But on the other hand, I know how much work and time and effort I put into it. Right. And so how focused I was. And it's not just something I can say, yeah, that was a great time. It's just meaning my actual running time. The time itself was great. Like the time yeah. I had was great. You know what I mean? The time it took. And so I don't, in no way do I, again, I don't, I'm not being just of, of people. Oh, no, I get know, it. Yeah, yeah, we can I, really, I, I feel the same way. And, you know, what part of, I, you know, I don't know if this, if this probably you to one of my obstacle racing buddies, like, we always say, like, we've done some big ones and really been like, what did, what do we need to, like, that race was on, what did we learn that we need to work on? Like, what, what happened in that race that didn't go the way it should have and why? What obstacles did we mess up? We fall short, you know, because I don't, I, I saw your Tough Mudder Cup. Yeah. That we were drinking out. So, like, you know, in an obstacle race, as you know, there's a lot of trails. There's a lot of up and down. There's some technical work. And it's it's really like it, it's the same thing. Nothing's ever good. You learn from it. So every race, no matter how good, is a learning experience to be better at the next. And it's I, I feel like when you're satisfied, you're you're not going to keep wanting it as mad. Like, you know, you're going to set a time for yourself, hopefully in Boston again, and you're going to crush it. And then you're yeah. going to go, you know what? I could have done better, man. Like, even though you your goal it's like what am i going to do next year you know and that's that's the that's the true heart of an athlete like when you just are not satisfied no matter how good you did it's it's never good enough and there's nothing i think it's great because that's how we all stay motivated you know yeah for sure for sure and i think to your point and this is a mistake i made too is i fully intended to have something the horizon for after you know that was my plan all along and i don't and so that's on me so I definitely, I need, um, I need to figure out what's next. And it's hard because Boston's in April this year. And again, not, I don't have a commitment to a bib and it might be not until, you know, after the new year. So I need to figure out, you know, what's, um, you know, what's next, you know, last year is when I did that 
four by four by 48 challenge because the marathon was canceled. So it allowed for that. Right. So in my mind, I'm thinking maybe I do that again in the in the spring. But then I think, oh, what if I get a bid? That's going to kind of throw that out the window. So you I need to your speed. Like I know you talked about speed work, but as far as like, do you race for speed ever? Would you go out and do like a 10k for speed? You know, something like that, and just yeah. really set like more of a speed goal versus. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny you mentioned that. I I so the last so I did a marathon in 2018, and then my goal after that was a fall marathon and then i'm like i'm gonna do a 5k for speed yeah and so i actually found a training plan for that specifically and i did the race and it went great yeah so you're planning the seed again that maybe i need to do I, I to answer your question directly yes i do do that um as long as i'm not doing like marathon training yeah so so i have done that in the past because yeah. that's like for for me like obstacle racing like Spartans are like the Spartan beast is the race. You know, that's the one you go for. That's like for, I don't do, I haven't, I started training for an ultra Spartan and then I got hurt. And honestly that I think the Spartan beast itself is good. Like I, I like that distance on an obstacle race. It's about 15 miles on the mountain, but you know, in intermittently, it's like you go do like the five K's, the smaller ones for speed, you know, and they're just as fun. And it's, it almost feels in some ways worse Cause I can't breathe the whole time where in, you know, you just feel like your lungs are like, they're getting sucked out of your body and you can taste metal almost. And it's like across the finish line, you have to hit the ground and not talk to anybody where, you know, the, the distance ones, it's like, you're done. You didn't want, you're like, you're before the finish line. You're like, why am I doing this? I'm never doing this again. You hit the finish line. You're like, I can't wait to do the next one. And it's that intermittent like speed work in the middle. And then there's a couple, there's smaller ones, you know, where you're going to get like seven to nine miles and, for obstacle racing, that's kind of what keeps me going like with that post-race depression or, you yeah. know, it's like, all right, what do I have in between this big race? What's, what are these going to do? And how, how am I going to succeed at those to get better at this one where there's yeah. always something coming up, you know, it, it is. Cause I, I, and Paul's the same way. Like, I think the three of us are very sensitive athletes and it sucks when you're not like, I, you know, when you're in your feelings, man, there's nothing worse than it. <laughs> Yeah. You gotta stay busy. It's like if you're not keeping busy with some kind of goal, it really is debilitating. Yeah. So maybe that's the answer to the question. Maybe I I, I dial back to like, you know, focusing on a five k because I actually did really one thing that I like about any race that I'm training for is I love following the training plan. Like I like I'm not great at like, you know, flailing like week to week. What am I going to do? Yeah. You know, because then I just probably end up doing more miles than I should because I feel like oh I need to go out and do an eight mile run today, even though I did an eight mile run yesterday, let's say. Yeah, you, know you need I mean? the structure. Where, yeah, if I have the structure, if it's laid out for me, then um, I'm better at that and, uh, and I enjoy that process. And I really, going back race 5K that I did, I loved that training plan. It was like a 10 week training plan. Um, and uh, and I had a great 5K at the end of it. And to your, like what you just said, feeling winded at the end, like feeling like I gave everything to that 3.1 miles. Yeah. You know, I was like full tilt the whole time, just but going it's for a good it. feeling. Even no break, you... no nothing. Yeah, yeah. It's a totally different, it's a totally different racing experience yep. than doing a marathon where a marathon is a grind. You know, you're going to be out there for a while. You got to think about nutrition. You got to think about all of that. Um, and you, do think, you... you think a lot more when you're out there versus when you're sprinting you don't think there's nothing going on up here. Yeah. yeah it's like primal instinct of like like literally like oh like i think that the only thought that passes through my head is like am i going to be able to breathe like i can't breathe and like my muscles you know in, in an obstacle race when you're sprinting like that you feel so fatigued that when you see an obstacle coming up you're like my body can it do this and like you do it and you're like i feel amazing i can't breathe <laughs> Like, like, it's like that kind of transition. Can I, oh my God, I can't breathe. I feel awesome, but I still can't breathe, but I'm going to keep going. And it's real, like, you know, there's not much going on upstairs. So it's a real like blackout moment of like chaos. And then it's over and you're like, man, that felt good. I can't breathe, but it felt good. You know, I did it. I did. uh, I did a couple of tough mutters. One of them was actually on a, one was on a mountain and that was tough. It was on Gunstock in New Hampshire. That was real tough. That was up yeah. and down, up and down, up and down for like 11 miles. Oh, yeah. The obstacle course, uh, the obstacles themselves were actually breaks from. Wicked fun, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the second one was actually on a golf course. So it was 
relatively flat and a little bit of rolling hills. So we basically just jog that and yeah. then the oxos and uh, yeah, those are those are fun too. They're wicked um, fun. Well, if you're really ever interested fun. in hopping on a team, man. Yeah, I'll be in touch for sure. Yeah, definitely. I am again for me, I'm real I'm just a little bit I'm still a little bit hypersensitive about my knee, just a little bit worried about my knee. Of course. And I think that's why like like we're talking about with speed work and racing and obstacle courses. I just, I always have my knee in the back of my mind because now I, I know that. that I can sort of maintain, and this is, this sucks, but I can maintain the status quo and be knock on wood, relatively healthy. Yeah. Meaning I can go out and do just runs and feel okay. Right. I worry about changing that. Uh, right. I and and adding stress to my, but I mean, again, like I said earlier, you know, I won't know if I don't try. And I don't want to be 10 years later and be like, I wish I tried, you know, tried, yeah. So, but yeah, I get satisfaction out of the marathons and other things that I'm doing. So that's, that's good enough for me right now. But I, will, right. I love doing the tough mutters. I mean, I did it with some high school buddies and I, I love the camaraderie of it. Oh, so much fun. The, the day, spending the day together and kind of grinding that out together. Yeah. Everyone had their own, especially with the tough mutter, everyone had their own sort of, phobias you know whether yep. it's closed dark spaces water oh, yeah. electricity I, we all had our thing yep. so it's, it's yeah that's that's that, those are real fun those are real fun yeah so totally yeah i don't know if you guys have any other questions about boston or sorry i didn't mean to no no oh, it's okay yeah. Oh, the only thing I was, oh, the thing I was curious about was like the heartbreak kill. How was that? Is that something that you had to walk up? Cause that was like getting towards like the back half of the race and <laughs> you're growing. Yeah. So the hills in Newton, I, I was like, oh man, Newton. Um, yeah. So it's basically four consecutive climbs. Uh, each one seems to get progressively worse. And at that point I was in pretty rough shape. So, it'd be, you know, I'd run for maybe quarter of a mile and walk for a little bit, run for a quarter of a mile. Um, but they're they're a grind. There's a reason. There's absolutely a reason they call them Heartbreak Hill. And I will <laughs> never, I will never take that for granted again. Yeah, <laughs> we had some technical difficulties, but <laughs> now Chris yeah. and I are back. Adrian is gone. Um, yeah. So, oh uh, yeah. Once again, congratulations. That was <laughs> quite Thank an experience. You. Yeah. Looking forward to some more in the future <laughs> yeah thanks for thanks for uh you know having me on paul twice and uh you know letting me share the story i think it's uh it's been great yeah 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 like i learned a lot too like i didn't you know know about like the bridge towards the end stuff like that like that's great hearing about that experience yeah yeah, yeah. um you want to tell everybody about your charity again P can I'm assuming people still donate and everything. Yeah. So we're going to keep it open through the beginning of November. Okay. Um, so if they go, I actually tested this. If they go into Google uh -huh. and just type hashtag B fights ALD is in Braden fights ALD, B fights ALD. It'll bring the fundraising page right up and you can read all about it and make a donation from there. Okay. If people are inclined. So Awesome. Yeah, you could all listen to the previous episode to learn all about that as well. Yeah. Okay. And then, um, yep. And then you can find me at um, theroadrunnerjourney.com. And um, I'm just under the Roadrunner. That's R H O D E. Um, on all the socials Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Yeah. So. Yeah, definitely keep us posted on what you got going next. I will. I will. Certainly, for sure. Yeah. Once again, congratulations. That's so awesome. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. Thank you. And thank Adriana, too, please. Oh, uh, definitely. Yep. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, I should give out her socials. You can find her on A Joy Lifestyle on um, Instagram. And um, she's also involved with Soul Friend Yoga. So you can visit soulfriendyoga.com and also on all the socials and everything. So they got a lot of good stuff going on. Um, they support a lot of, um, you know, yoga studios in need and everything. So, yeah, it's a great organization. Okay, everybody. So, 
Until next time, we'll see you out on the road.